Hey guys, my name is Alex, and you're listening to Lunchbox Radio. So, before we get into the podcast proper, I just wanted to drop something here, since I got some really great news last night. I, as many of you who have listened to this before know, have been experimenting with writing things about anime on the internet. And I say that because previously... Not only did I, surprise, surprise, not write things about anime on the internet, but I didn't write much of anything for anybody to see. Ever. That wasn't proofread to death and edited within an inch of its life by everyone I know, because I'm terrible at that kind of, at, like, the... I'm not terrible at writing, but I'm terrible at the mechanical parts of writing. So, I wrote, but I, on like a whim, attempted to write something for that site, for that site fandom. They're basically like a article mill place of just like, here's all this, like, here's all the articles about all this junk of whatever fandom you're part of, and of course anime is one of them, and... I was like, oh, maybe I could write for that. Just in, <laughs> I, in my in my weird Alex brain, I'm like, the bar doesn't seem unreachable. And I have some free time, so let's attempt it. So I wrote, like, and you can go read this article on um, the Lunchbox Media website, which is included in the show notes for this episode, as I'm going to try and always do. Um, I wrote, like, a top five list thing of like five lessons in diversity I learned from anime um and I submitted it and then I did a second draft of it and they just shot me down and I had like already made the decision like if they shoot me down I'm just gonna take this elsewhere and publish it on my own on medium and so that's what I did like I brushed it up a little bit more and I put it out there like I said you can go um to lunchboxmedia.tumblr.com and read this by either finding it in the feed there or by clicking the read tab on the main menu um but then I wrote a second article because the insanity had to continue about anime and the Oscars. And I talked about this, I think, on my Devilman Crybaby episode. I talked about wanting to write one article a month. I'm working on the article for next month since the thing from about the Oscars was technically for this month. Um, but... That Oscars piece is being featured by Medium. Some like a uh, the head of the Medium curation team reached out to me and was like, "Hey, I read your article and I really liked it." That's right. I'm one of the seven people who read this article and I really liked it. And I think our like paying customers would enjoy it. So I wanted to give you the opportunity. I wanted to ask you if we could feature it. So I'm sharing that with you guys. Once again, just like with the top five article, you can go to lunchboxmedia.tumblr.com and click on read, and it's 
literally one of two options in there. Um, currently, there will be more. Um, but I will let you know when I put out new articles. When uh, my brain like unglues itself from itself enough to be like, hey, you could write about this in terms of anime, and hopefully not do a terrible job. I was, I will tell you, I was really surprised that anybody valued any opinion I had in the form of writing because <laughs> I write I write in a way where I'm pretty sure my first draft of anything is illegible <laughs> and I'm still not entirely convinced of the legibility by the last draft of which sometimes there are upwards of 5 to 10 <laughs> so just just like like know that um but yeah maybe go check it out share it around um because it's gonna be featured at some point on uh medium which is a like freelance writing platform thing but that's that and without further ado Today, if you didn't get the, if you listened to the hint episode, and you didn't get the hint, a, I, I don't know what I'm, what I can do for you. That was a pretty big hint. B, we are talking about, we are talking about the show because Judo Trigger has been getting a lot of attention lately, because it is making a show that is basically. A, some people would use the word ripoff, some people would use the word clone. I'm going to call it a loving homage to Evangelion. Also, strangely, Elreka 7, but we'll, we'll just say it's a loving homage to both of them. Um, but, of course, they're they have teamed up with A1 Pictures to make Darling and the Franks, which is this Ava-esque weird thing about sex and giant robots. And as I say that, I hear the Sunrise guy from <laughs> Gigax's video about one of anime studios where people... Just, scre- just screaming at the top of his lungs. Giant robots! And it makes me laugh. But this show's gotten a lot of attention because it's it's doing a thing where you want to keep... Wa- where lots of people like me want to keep watching it just to see what the hell it does next. Or people generally like it. You know, whatever. But it it's getting a lot of attention because it's like... Just... Just the way it is as a thing and as a out of a studio that split off of Gynax that made Evangelion it is it is a curious it is a curious thing. But because that's super super popular lately and because Studio Trigger kind of 
always fairly popular. Whenever they have a show out, it gets noticed. I thought I'd talk about, I don't think it's their first full-length show, but it was a huge show in season when it came out, and that show is Kill the Kill. So, for anybody who hasn't heard Studio Trigger, basically, um, they were a part of Studio Gynax. Studio Gynax directed things like FLCL, Evangelion, and then His and Her Circumstances. Yes, you heard right. They directed the weird thing about the teenage kid who sprung robots out of his brain. Um, the weird super religious overtone giant robot chained to face of anime legendary series and you know that quirky romantic comedy about kids falling in love in high school <laughs> all of which I've seen but they've directed other stuff too but those are kind of the three things lots of people know. So at some point, actually I know exactly at what point, in August 2011, parts of Gynax split off of Gynax and became Studio Trigger. And Studio Trigger have always, God bless their soul, have always had this like I want to do what you say, Dad, thing going for them. Which is really great (laughs) to, like, watch play out in shows. Because, like, it's very clearly there, and we'll get to where it's there in Kill a Kill. But they had this, like, kind of young upstart feel... And one of the first shows that they put out into the world, if not the first full show they put out in the world, I'm not sure about that, was Kill a Kill. And Kill a Kill was like... They dropped a trailer for this thing, and the trailer just kind of melted the internet. in a, Melted, like, anim, the anime internet in a way. It was just like... What is this show? What the fuck is going on with this show? What with the half a scissor blade? What, I, no, nobody knew kind of what to make of the trailer. They just knew that the trailer was beautifully animated and it had great goddamn music. And it was from... Studio Trigger, which is like the new studio that broke that broke off from Gynax. And everybody was like, what is this thing? At some point, it'll come out and we'll know. So, then it comes out and basically what it turns out to be is not really what I think anybody was expecting it is a show where clothes are the 
bad guy. <laughs> so basically, and spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Kill a Kill, you can, uh, the, part of the reason I'm talking about this also is it just became available in English on Hulu. You can watch it entirely in English. English dubbed or English subbed on Hulu. You could always watch it dubbed on Crunchyroll, but now you can watch it on Hulu too, which is nice. Um, the basic plot synopsis is, and I'm going to do it in a really short way this time. Sometimes I've done it like when lots of the episodes have been devoted to the plot synopsis, but that's not really what I want to talk about here, so here it goes. Basic plot synopsis is the main character, Ryoko Matoi's dad was killed. And so she goes on this, like, vengeance quest to find out who killed her dad. And in the process of going from A to B, she finds out who killed her dad and also needs to save the world from sentient clothing from space. Now, if you've never seen Kill a Kill and that sounds insane to you, don't worry. It, it is as insane as it sounds. But what is really interesting about the first uh, like baseline premise they have is this show is all about clothing and all about it it's all about clothing making somebody who they are or the other way around so like when you if you've ever seen somebody and I'm sure you could find an example of this I'm walking around uh, maybe the most powerful country, the most powerful part of the most powerful country on earth, Washington, D.C., the White House. Have you ever seen somebody who seems like they're being, like, engulfed by their clothes and, like, they're, they, they are, one of the ways people describe that is, is like, oh, that suit is wearing him, he's not wearing that suit. <laughs> Um, but then you see somebody who has a really well-fitted outfit, and it's like, the clothes fit them well, they, people describe that as, that person wears clothes really well, that person knows how to dress themselves. And this is, uh, this is an expression called, like, I forget what the expression is, but it's like it something along the lines of way of like wear beautiful clothes, don't let beautiful clothes wear you, or something along those lines. I should remember it because I've heard it a bunch of times, but I don't. And so that's kind of part of the show. Another part of this show is about being confident enough to pull off an outfit, meaning, like, um, so basically part of the show is, and 
Trigger, so for anybody who's discovering Studio Trigger with Darling and the Franks, first off, bravo you, you brave soul. Um, because that's, that's a lot of unfettered Trigger just at once. Trigger uh, 08 has certain themes they work with, and one of them a lot of times is over-sexualization, the male gaze, blah, 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 and there are people who say that they work with it, there are people who say that they abuse these things for their own benefit. You could see it either way, but basically, in this show, there, it, the premise is that she shows up at the giant high school, in this high school, they have special uniforms, and these special uniforms bring out a person's innate ability to be exceptional. And their uniforms range from one star, from their uniform, the school's uniforms range, range from no stars, which are just normal sa- sailor, sailor girl uniforms and basically Japanese army uniforms. That's the kind of standard issue Japanese school uniforms that you see to one star, which are the standard issue uniforms, but they give people a certain level of power. Two stars, the next step, step up from that. And then there's three star, which is like that could, that the show establishes that as being like the strongest uniform that these schools provide, that this school provide, that Hanoji Academy provides. But then, eventually, I I think like episode two or three, um, and this is a twenty four episode show, uh, yeah, twenty four episodes. You're introduced to the idea of what they call a kamui, which is basically a magical girl uniform that transforms into a fetish scene transforms into a, like a fancy fetish outfit when quote when like activated with the user with with the weird blood. Um but the so like that's part that's part of this show that so the whole show is revolves around this idea of clothing and people being pigs in human clothing at at the beginning you that's what you're introduced to and then you are immediately you immediately meet the main character of the show Ryoko Matoi, who wears clothing for a purpose and throughout the show learns not to depend on her clothes, but to depend on herself. And, like, that's the whole arc there. And then you're introduced to probably one of the best best friends ever created in anime at all 
Mako Mankancho, and she is just, like, fountain of energy and unbridled love for the main character, and she just, like, she wants to be Ryoko's friend, and she doesn't care about anything else. She is constantly derided by the entire, basically by most of the cast of the show, aside from from Ryoko, as being a total fucking moron. Because <laughs> she definitely is. But she is, like, she is the, like, heart and soul of that goddamn, of this goddamn show. <laughs> she is, just, like, the best. And you can, I mean, you can go and you can find infinite gifts of just, like, weird shit she does over the 24 episodes of this show. Um, and then, so, you have Ryoko, you have her, her, like, best friend, slash, housemate, um, Mako, but you open up this show with this big-ass fucking dude who, if you have been in anime for a while but were not aware of this show, you will probably have encountered him in memes. His name is Gamagori, and he exists to be this, like, the most, A, the most earnest person ever devised by man, and B, he has this massive reference to Fifth of the North Star, which is this ultra-famous, super-ridiculous um, martial arts fighting anime from the 70s and 80s, and he is every inch of, like, that as well, which is great. But they they develop him into a character, and he has a whole arc, and it's fucking fantastic. Gamagori is Gamagori is the kind of righteous soul that we all want ourselves to be, but we'll never actually be. <laughs> Cause it's too goddamn hard. Nobody nobody can do that except for him. Um, but he is one of the elite four of this school, meaning four students who are on the student council who run everything. And then the president of the student council is this woman, is this student named, Sas- named Sasuke Kiryuin. And she is the head of the student council her mother her mother is the executive director of the school and her family runs this global clothing line called Revox and imagine Revox as if Reebok the shoe and sportswear company just went super evil it's the best way to put it and the the show it doesn't do it as it doesn't flip as hard as something like um Samurai Flamenco, which if you've never heard of that show, go watch that and get angry slash confused for a while. That's a fun ride. 
Um, but it does at some point flip from being one kind of show to being a different kind of show. For the first probably 12 to 13 episodes are just about this very small scale fight between Ryoko saying, I want to know who killed my dad. And Sasuke saying, I'll tell you if you can beat me. And it's that antagonistic relationship playing out. And then the second half of the show is actually versus Sasuke's mother and the giant looming threat that is what the show introduces you to as life fibers, which are basically these alien clothes that come from outer space to consume the world, and Sasuke's mother, Ragio, who is so evil. Like, so deeply fucking evil. Like, literal child molester evil. Throws babies in trash cans evil. I I can't make it any more clear. She is... She makes Gendo fucking Akari look like he makes Shinji a sandwich every day. (laughs) In my opinion, at least. But, you get the point. She's like ultra evil and she's out to help the life fibers claim the claim the planet for itself. Uh, but from my perspective, she has this she has this Cruella Deville fashion icon. fashion cult personality to her that is not that's certainly not realistic but not actually that far off from say character like uh, Meryl Streep's character in The Devil Wears Prada if you've ever seen that movie you could you like it, it makes sense it, it makes a lot of sense in the world of fashion to encounter somebody like Ragio who's maybe not as vile but still has the same thoughts about clothing the same clothing worship that she does and I, I thought that was interesting that a bunch of dudes animating the thing <laughs> had enough like wherewithal to be like oh no wait this kind of this kind of thought process could totally exist which I I watch it and I see like yeah this is this is bait this is cobbled together from a bunch of like real things that a fat that like fashion people would could and have said before which I thought was really interesting. Um, 
so the second arc, the second half of the show is all about this, like big world ending, world deciding battle. But the way they, the way they set everything up, it is, is this show takes a very clear line about what what the creators want to believe is the future and everybody's relationship to the future. So basically this show says the future belongs to the next generation. Not not the current generation. The current generation only wants to do all they want to do is kind of destroy the world. In this in this show it is very clear that um maybe with the exception of one character, the butler who makes the tea. Adults are assholes. <laughs> They're um I mean Mako's parents are genuinely nice and flawed humans. <laughs> but they're still very flawed. Like, um... Mako's dad is a, is a quote-unquote back-alley doctor, and he rips people the fuck off, and, like, just tries to fix them enough where they won't sue him. Um... Ragio is... Ragio Kiryu and is Ragio, who is, uh... As I've said before... Fucking evil piece of work. Um, Ryoko's dad basically invented, turned her, like, invented something that would turn her into a weapon of mass destruction and left it to her and left her to save the world, which is not a great look of a parent and a thing to do to your child. Um, but the like the the there's a definite theme of adults need to get out of the way and let like the newcomers have their chance to shine. And the arc and the arc of the show supports that. Um As for things that stand out in the show, good or bad, the show had a lot of really fluid, beautiful animation. Until it's very clear they didn't manage their budget correctly. And things just start sliding across the screen. <laughs> Which... Uh, I, I mean, I guess they're learning because at Gynax, they had the problem of, here's this one episode that's nothing but still shots and colored pencil drawings. So Evangelion, don't worry, we'll make up for it later with a movie, kind of. Because by the time you get to the point where you, real, you realize the animation issues in the show you just kind of have 
it like all meshed together in like this pastiche and you just kind of accept it and it also helps that out a lot by introducing a character who is this this, this budget character <laughs> meaning all really all she does is m- interact with the world in like this paper cutout all she does for a large portion of her time in the show is she interacts with the world as if she is a paper cutout. (laughs) Which is strange, but the way they do it jives well with the show and it fits. Um, The the problem is when it, it, it starts to bleed out into other things. It, you 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 start you start to notice the the cracks in the veneer is what I'm saying. Uh, this the other the other major thing that stands out in the show is the music is goddamn excellent. And they have they have seen. They certainly have scenes for this show, but the main theme that if you've ever seen this show, you will remember. It will be etched into your heart by the end of the show. Is before my body is dry. I forget the name of the artist, but it's also better known as "Don't Lose Your Way." This thing is used as, like, the crescendo point for every big, awesome part of the show, meaning when every time a character transforms, every time, like, every triumphant moment of the show, and it's fucking amazing. Um, There's also... The theme they use for Ragio, for um, Ragio, that's Blumenkrons, and it's got this. A, it's fucking German, <laughs> and I, I. There is a there is a signaling there <laughs> that we all shouldn't support. But we all understand, and that is, like, if you're using something specific, and I talked about this actually a little on, um, the Loop on the Third episode, you're using something specifically German in the styling of a person, of a character, it is usually assumed that you're referencing the fucking evilness of the Nazis, so to apply that to Ragio. Like gives her this. Once you know that it's a German, that a German song, that like the song has a German name, you're like oh, of course she does because of course the evil bitch would pick the German song to be like her, her, her um, theme song. But. 
so the music works really well. The, the, the themes go with the show really well. I was surprised. First time I watched the show, I watched it in Japanese with English subtitles on Crunchyroll. Um, I was surprised the English voice actors watching it the first time through all the way. They did a really good job casting all the English voice actors. It worked really well. There's no, like, there's no excessive weirdness. Um, it all seems really genuinely well acted. But, um... I mean, I, if you haven't gotten this by now, I, I, I happen to really like this show. I've seen it a bunch of times. It is... If you've never seen it, it's worth watching the first episode. Uh, there, there are clear turnoffs for this show. It's like the, there's a really they seriously objectify. At first, they objectify the female body, and the entire time you're watching it, you're like, I don't know. This seems really. This seems really. It seems really skeevy in a way that, like, it, it it definitely had the anime problem of it is always giving you scenes where you don't want anybody to walk in on you while you're watching it, because they'll just be like, hey man, not judging, but that's fucking weird. Um, but, I, I think if I episode 5 or 6, they just straight up like, what if we did this for men too? Like, we've, we've given you countless shots of, like, women's asses just, like, in the, in the, in the camera for no reason. Now, here's this straight-on shot of a dude's ass. It is ass o'clock for just, like, ten seconds of a clip of a, of a, of a transformation scene. And, like, at that point, you're just like, Oh wait, they're doing this for everybody. This is kind of refreshing. It's just like weirdly refreshing that they're just like, "Oh, the nakedness is just a thing for this show." And then at some point most of the characters are just naked with basically like utility belts on to obscure to like censor everything and make it okay. Um, but no, it's, it, it, so it's a really good show. It's got great themes going for it. If you know anything about Studio Trigger, you will watch this and you will see this show in many ways is Studio telling, is like Studio Trigger telling his bossy dad to go suck a dick, <laughs> which I find hilarious. Like, no, Dad! Fuck off! Um, and that, but that's just a weird industry feeling that, like, you get, if you know anything about Studio Trigger, by watching this, you're like, oh! Oh, okay. So this whole, maybe this whole show? Eh, maybe. Um, but it's, it's really, it's just, 
it's a fascinating show because it sparked a lot of controversy for the reasons of, like, it is a seriously fan service show, but it does stuff with that fan service that makes the fan service feel earned and important. Um, you can, you can tell what kind of fan a person is when you ask them, like, Hey, what do you like about Kill a Kill? And people are like, oh, I really like like self-empowerment and the story is really cool and just like blah, 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 blah. Uh, you, you you can tell that they're like, they're in it for the right reason. If you're like, hey, what do you like about Kill a Kill? And somebody gives the equivalent answer of them titties and them asses, then you need to question that person's values. <laughs> They are, they are, they are going to the show for this part of the show that it designed to attract everyone to it. But they like the parts that are important are just completely going over their heads. And uh, if I had to guess as to what Studio Trigger is doing with Darling and the Franks, I would imagine that they are explicitly trying to talk about something related to sex and, like, the detachment of sex and how important sex is to a relationship and how important it is to, like, balance that relationship out in some way. Um, because... Just the way that they that they may use like sexual scenes in in their shows, but they don't do it without a purpose. Because if you look at a show like Little Witch Academia, which they also made, they made the first the OVAs and then the actual show. There is little to no sexiness pumped into that show at all. It's just a, like, a fun, weird, Harry Potter-esque adventure. But, in a show, so that means that they, they're not averse to making shows that aren't, like, super sexually charged ultra-violent things. They do it to prove a point, and I would imagine when they came up with Darling and the Frank, just like when they came up with Kill a Kill, they looked at the idea and they said, okay, this is a good idea and we want to make this, but we gotta understand that there's a certain amount of people who will only ever talk about the butt handles. Just like in Kill a Kill, we understood that there are a certain amount of people who will never get past the stripper outfits. Um, but, uh, so, uh, I mean, if you watch this, and as a female friend of mine who I suggested watch this, actually we did a episode of my old podcast on I think the first two episodes of this show of Kill a Kill um 
watched it and she was just like, I don't know. I am put off by the large amount of like women in scantily clad outfits shaking it in the show. Um, then I would say give it maybe till episode six. Cause I I like a give it to, give it to episode six, b maybe watch the dub, and c be aware that the show knows what it's doing, and that it 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 knows it's engaging in this kind of like perverse leeriness and like it knows what the outfits it's serving up to you are. Um, it, it, it has a, it has a self-awareness about that, that most other shows like that do the same thing. Don't like, if you look, if you look at kill a kill, which has a large amount of new of a nudity, B like fan service style nudity and you look at a show like Queen's Blade the difference is Kill the Kill is aware of it and it like it it doesn't eliminate it as soon as it addresses it obviously but it says like oh what the fuck why do I have to wear this stripper outfit to fight whereas Queen's Blade takes a totally voyeuristic approach, never mentions it, and it's just like, maybe this girl shoots acid out of her tits. We don't know. And her, and the way her clothes are is her hair is two hands that just hold her boobs. Because that's normal. We're not going to address this. I think I think that does actually I know that changes the relationship of the show to the viewer when when you see something like super fan servicey and it's just not addressed, it is it's to me at least a really clear signal of, oh, we know why you came to this show. You came to this show to just watch Women get stripped down naked constantly. Ikitosin's the same way. Um, Iken is the same. It's the same way. Iken's borderline porn. Um, shows like Love he- shows in comics like Love Hina engage in the same kind, ki- engage in the same kind of thing on a slightly different level. But you get the idea. Basically. The approach where you just kind of present that fan service stuff as something to be leered at, but the characters will never acknowledge that it's leerable, is it makes you feel worse than when you watch something and it's just like, okay, we all know this is weird and creepy.
but because of reasons, it's going to continue. And this show does a really good job, Kill a Kill, rather, does a really good job of validating those reasons and saying, this is why this is like this. This is why this is like that. Almost without exception. And even the thing that doesn't explain, like, why the the super-powered outfits are stripper outfits, they address that, and they're like, yeah, that's weird. Why is that? And so I think at some point somebody was like, maybe Ryoko's dad was into that. And Ryoko was like, oh, god damn it. Not a thing I need to know about my father. <laughs> um, but, so that, that is Kill a Kill. Um, if you feel like giving it a look, you can go do that on Crunchyroll. I think only the subbed version is on Crunchyroll. But you can also go do the subbed version or the dubbed version on Hulu. Uh, both of them are, I think, really good. Um, I think that the characters have slightly more attitude in the subtitled version because the original Japanese has this kind of, like, gutturalness to it. Um, but the dub version does a good job of capturing that, for the most part. Um, but definitely go check it out. And if you like this podcast, uh, please leave me a review on iTunes and share it with your friends. Um, you can also subscribe to me on iTunes, you can subscribe to me on Stitcher, you can, and, um, Apple, and Apple Podcasts, and Google Play Music, all the places you listen, or all the other places you listen to podcasts. Um, I have been Alex, this has been Lunchbox Radio, and I will... Talk at you next time. Oh, and also, don't forget to check out the link in the description of the in the notes for the podcast to take a look at the article on anime and the Oscars. Talk at you next time.